Changing Sky, Amanda Neal's novel telling the story of a young girl's journey through growing up, coping with her demanding father, through music, love and heartbreak. Rachel Summers reads the serialisation of the book for Brooklyn's Radio. Chapter 5, Part 2 Belle suggested that we leave the way we came in, but I wanted to walk out of the front door, as I knew this was the last time I would ever be in the house. We both tiptoed down the staircase and made our way to the front porch. As I came downstairs, I heard the laughter that was once mine and Summer's echoing in the hallway. For a moment, the dark hallway was suddenly lit up by a bright memory of Summer and I returning from the funfair with our mother one warm and sunny July a few years previously. Two happy girls carrying coloured balloons and the excitement of an afternoon spent on various rides followed by lemonade and ice cream in the local cafe. The sound pounded in my head over and over again. As I turned to look back, the bright light of the memory faded, replaced by the cold, hard moonlight that shone through the glass panels of the front door. The moonlight revealed how clinical and white everything now was, all trace of our family now firmly erased. The school photographs down the staircase had disappeared, the dried roses and lavender in small hanging baskets that my mother would place in the porch to make the house smell beautiful were all gone. The coat rack with mine and Summer's raincoats and wellies, our age difference, meaning that hers was always much larger than mine, had been cleared. The hooks now silhouetted starkly like skeletal fingers against the white wall. Umbrellas, clocks, even our beautiful old rocking horse, a gift from our kindly elderly ex-neighbour, Mr Peterson, had gone. Mr Peterson, or Frank as he insisted we call him, had doted on Summer and I as young children, suspecting, I think, that we lacked any paternal affection. A skilled carpenter, he had made the horse especially for us and had insisted that we take it from him, even though my father, as in all things, didn't want us to have it. It had been my mother who had talked him round. I smiled sadly to myself as I recalled all the happy times that Summer and I had had playing on that horse, the far away imaginary lands we'd ridden to, now both the horse and my sister had gone, as had I. I didn't dare venture into the kitchen, as I knew I would see the reminder of the cake cupboard, the scene of my imprisonment at my father's hands. Instead, I left through the front door with the blissful remembered tones of my mother's humming ringing in my ears. How I missed her. Belle and I walked out, carefully and noiselessly closing the door behind us. I kept the letters tucked tightly underneath my arm. Right then, they were the most precious things to me in the whole world. If my father suddenly appeared, it would mean dropping them all, but part of me didn't care if I had to face him again. However, it wasn't my father that was to make me drop the letter, but rather the shock of the sight that was about to confront me. As we made our way down the garden path, keeping carefully to the shadows, I walked unexpectedly into something that hadn't been there before stubbing my toe on it. I had been so absorbed in keeping the letters safe that I hadn't noticed the tall sign that was planted in the front lawn. As I stepped back and went to rub my foot, I looked up at the same time as a shard of moonlight split through the clouds. The light hit the front of the sign, making it clearly legible. For sale. I stumbled backwards as I read the two words. The enveloping darkness when Jake had dropped Belle and I off earlier meant that I had missed it. Belle was just behind me and nearly fell over my legs. Stepping over me, she managed to grab one of my arms and hoist me up properly so I could get back to my feet. 
As she pulled me back up, I could feel the anxiety rising inside me. I started to panic and could feel my breathing getting faster. There was nothing I could do to stop it. Belle heard me gasping for air and brought me back into the porch so we could sit down on the step. We both gazed at the sign in despair. I could tell from Belle's face that she was as shocked as me. In my surprise, some of the letters had fallen across the lawn, so I started to pick them up. Belle helped me and we decided to make our way back to Gertie's. We found Jake parked in a side street round the corner from my father's house. As he drove us back, I sat silently in the back seat, struggling to comprehend the enormity of the latest in my father's extensive catalogue of spiteful acts. On arriving back at Gertie's, we managed to sneak back in and get up to my room without attracting attention. Gertie was dead to the world, her quiet snores faintly audible through my bedroom wall. Both Bill and I fell asleep almost straight away. However, whilst Belle fell into an apparently deep and restful slumber, my own was fitful, my head buzzing with everything that had happened. No matter how hard I tried, I couldn't stop my mind working overtime, and my dreams, such as they were, were almost a virtual rerun of the worst aspects of my life over the past few months. As I tossed and turned, trying desperately to find peace, a thought came into my head that continued to nag at me until I eventually lost consciousness. Something told me that my father had plans for me somewhere along the way, but could he find me? And if or when he did, what would he do to me? Wakey, wakey, sleepyheads, sang a cheery voice. Feeling like I'd only slept for five minutes, I struggled to open my eyes, my vision a fuzzy blur as my eyes tried to adjust to the bright light streaming into the room. As I turned towards the direction that the voice had come from, my vision still blurry, I slowly made out the shape of Gertie as she fluttered around my room, opening curtains and picking up our clothes, which we had scattered on the floor after arriving back last night. Mm, good morning, I mumbled. I desperately wanted to go back to sleep. Not just because I was tired, but also because I knew that, in just a few seconds, the thoughts of my father and Gertie's secret friendship with my mother would come flooding back into my mind. It's a lovely day out there, girls, trilled Gertie. I've got a lot to do today, and I would really love it if both of you could help me. My eyes now clear of the effects of sleep, I looked out of the window and saw it was a clear Saturday morning, the sun in the clear blue sky already shining like a brilliant diamond, its rays touching my face with a warm glow. Like most retired people whose routines had been shaped by decades of getting up for work, Gertie was always annoyingly alert in the mornings. She would wake up at six to bake bread and pick up her paper, then do her normal hour of cleaning. That morning, she had decided that she was going to clean the barn out and give the piano a good going over. Her request for help meant we had to get up and out as early as possible. Knowing how much Gertie hated wasting the day, I slowly sat up and swung my legs over the edge of the bed. My head felt light from their lack of sleep as I stood up, causing me to sit back down again for a moment in order to recover from sudden wave of dizziness. Are you okay, dear? asked Gertie, a look of concern on her face. I knew that this question was as much about how I'd been towards her the night before as it was about me sitting back down on the bed. I said nothing, but just smiled weakly and nodded. I wasn't ready to talk to her yet about the picture I'd found, or about why she had never mentioned that she knew my mother. Gertie smiled back at me, genuine pleasure on her face as she took my reply as an acknowledgement that everything was okay between us and that whatever had been bothering me the night before had passed. Good, 
she said. Good. Now hurry up and get ready, girls. I'll fix you both some breakfast and then we'll get started. As Gertie left to go down to the kitchen, I stood up once again and made my way to the bathroom. The letters from Summer were safely tucked under my mattress, away from Gertie's eyes. I was going to choose my moment to read them, but didn't actually feel I was ready just yet. I was still getting over the shock that my home had been put up for sale. It was an obvious sign that my father was preparing to build a new life for himself. Oddly, even though I had grown to dread him and had run away to escape from him, the pain of what he was doing cut into my heart like a shard of ice. I had known for a long time that he didn't like me, even if he had never really understood why, but deep down a part of me had clung to the belief that he had loved me. After all, weren't all parents supposed to love their children no matter what? What had I ever done to make him hate me so much? I wondered what he had done with all my things. No doubt they too had been discarded, like all my mother's things had after she had gone. I felt my eyes welling up and sat, stock still at the edge of the bath, big fat tears rolling down my face as I stared into the distance. Despite the friendly warmth of Gertie's house and the comfort of being there with her and Belle, I felt so alone. All I wanted was a normal loving family. Instead, my mother had gone, my sister wasn't around, and my father... I thought again about my father. Even though he had disappeared, I found that I didn't care for his whereabouts. Instead, I hoped he was far, far away. I had a nagging fear that it wouldn't be long till he found me at Gertie's. Sky dear, breakfast, sang Gertie, her voice floating up the stairs like a wave of musical notes, wafting airily in the streaming sunlight. Drying my eyes, I washed my hands and face and got dressed before heading downstairs to the kitchen where Belle and Gertie were sitting at the table, with Belle already working her way through a pile of warm croissants, despite Gertie's protestations that she should have waited for me before starting. Trying to put the previous day's events behind me, I managed to eat two croissants before heading out to the barn with Gertie and Belle to start cleaning up. Gertie had bought an array of cleaning tools, dusters, mops, brushes and buckets with her. Obviously, this was going to be a serious day's cleaning. It was quite comical to see how seriously she took it all. It was as if she was on a mission, a general in a coral headscarf giving orders to her troops in the fight against dust and grime. As in everything she did, Gertie managed to somehow make even cleaning feel like fun. She chatted away as she uncovered each new long-forgotten item. Everything seemed to have a story attached to it somehow, and the time passed quickly as we worked and listened. In spite of myself, I found myself enjoying her company, as I always did. As we rummaged through boxes of old cooking utensils, crockery and other miscellaneous items that she had collected since the shop had opened, it became obvious that Gertie was someone who never liked throwing things away. I had already guessed this about her from all of the wonderful furniture and knickknacks in her home. It was what was so wonderful about her, she collected objects of desire and meaning to her, regardless of their value, something I had never really seen too much of in my own home. Dad would rarely keep anything that held any memories. Instead, it was always Mum who had tried hard to save them, finding ways to squirrel things away where our father couldn't find them or dispose of them. A feeling of sadness washed over me as I thought again of the dreary house I'd visited the night before, with all trace of my mother and our family removed. It had taken him a while, but Dad had managed to completely clean the house of any memories. 
Luckily, my melancholy was broken by Belle's excited gasps and giggles as she called me over to see yet another hidden treasure from Gertie's extensive collection, and I was soon happily lost again in the present as we got well and truly stuck into our cleaning. Gertie's life had been amazing. We quickly became engrossed in old records, collections of teapots, postcards from Gertie's touring days, and even a collection of beaded 1920s and 1930s Art Deco-style dresses that she had performed in found in an old trunk. I enjoyed every moment of looking into Gertie's past and hearing her stories, although I wished with all of my heart that just one of them could have been about my mother. Hours soon passed, and after Belle and I had managed to wipe and dress the windows of the barn with candles and books, we noticed that Gertie had a plan in mind for the rest of the day. She asked us to help her bring in a couple of small square tables with cloths and some folding chairs to rest in the piano. While she polished the keys, we cleaned up the tables. She rested a couple of candles in each of them and went off to fetch us some of her traditional homemade lemonade with a twist of ginger. Gertie's glorious ginger lemonade was her own special recipe which Belle raved about. Whilst Gertie was gone, I noticed Belle looking at the piano with a longing to play it. I could see the yearning in her eyes and I felt captivated by it, so I persuaded her to play, knowing that Gertie would be a while preparing our drinks. She opened the lid of the piano and took out her diary from where she had left it. Sitting on the stool to play along to one of the favourite songs in her diary, I watched her take control of the piano, envying her as her long, slender fingers glided elegantly across the keys to create a beautiful melody. I sat and listened happily, feeling myself drifting into another world as she played. She nodded at me, beckoning me to come over. I rose from where I was sitting and joined her. I was ready to let out all the emotions I was feeling. As I let them go, words just flowed along with them, forming themselves into a song. But I managed to just come out with a song and it happened instantly, like a flash. I didn't need to write it in the music diary, as I found the words just came into my mind, with the melody, straight away. At that point, I realised the music from the piano had stopped. Belle sat staring at me, open-mouthed, her fingers frozen in time just above the piano keys. 
Where the hell did that come from? She asked. I'm sorry, I blurted. Was it bad? Are you kidding me? Belle grinned at me. I knew you could sing, but write songs as well. That's just bloody amazing, Missy. It was great, Sky. Come on, let's keep going and see what else tumbles out. Still grinning, and now inspired by my previously hidden talent, Belle played and replayed the same tune on the piano so that I could produce another verse, which proved just as easy. We both laughed and cheered as we finished off with another chorus, Belle joining in. It sounded so melodic that if we hadn't heard Gertie on her way back, we were likely to sing it all over again. Belle was so excited she gave me a hug. Then, grabbing the pen from inside her diary, she quickly began writing the lyrics I had sung to her. Later, we drank our lemonade with Gertie at one of the tables and sat quietly to listen while she recounted a couple of stories about the old records she had collected in the 60s. It was then that she revealed her plan for us. This is my gift to both of you, she started, her face lit up with pleasure. What gift, Grandma? asked Belle, clutching onto her diary. She began taking a couple of Gertie's postcards and sticking them inside the back. Don't think I'm too old to hear what goes on in here, my lovelies. You've been making beautiful music, and I would be silly not to help you both nurture that talent. You can have a place now to rehearse and call your own. Call it what you will. Music cafe, studio, rehearsal space. The fact is, it's yours, for always, and you can come here and sing, whenever and whatever you like. I realised then that all this time she had actually heard Belle and I when we were both believed we were playing in secret. I didn't care though. She was giving us a chance to play whenever we wanted and this thought truly made me happy. It was making me so happy when I was singing. I couldn't explain it. It was just there. Oh Grandma, you're so wonderful, thank you. Sky and I thought you were thinking of opening this up for customers. We were worried we weren't going to be able to allow to sing in here anymore, Belle said, looking over at me. Not at all, Petal. You use it whenever you want, and if you need any help with any tracks, just ask. I really don't mind. It's been a long time, but I've still got a few tunes in me yet, Gertie giggled, her cheeks all rosy. Belle gave her a big kiss, and I went over and hugged her. What about it, you Sky? Are you okay with this? You've gone all quiet. It's not too much, is it? Gertie asked, drawing back slightly from my embrace to look at me in the face. I could see uncertainty in her eyes, as if she thought she had somehow overstepped the mark. I looked back at her, speechless. What could I say? No one had ever done anything like this for me before. I couldn't remember the last time I had even been given a gift, let alone something as wonderful as this. I was going to be able to have my own little studio to sing in, my own musical paradise for just Belle and I. There were no words other than thank you, but they just didn't seem enough. I felt guilty as I remembered how angry I'd been with her. Maybe there was a good reason why she'd never told me about my mother. This old lady had taken me in and had treated me straight away like I was a member of her family. I couldn't stay angry at her. I was so overcome that I couldn't speak, but instead just shook my head. I hugged her so tight I was nearly sobbing into her dusty apron. She stroked my hair and hugged me back, giving me an even tighter squeeze. It's okay, my poppet. You, especially, deserve it. You've been through a lot. Looking into my eyes, Gertie's cheery face suddenly became serious. 
I want you to know you've always got a home here, Sky. I hope you know that, she said, her voice catching slightly. Then, her normal cheery expression returning once again, she beamed, cheering out. Now, sing to your heart's content and let the good times roll. Supper time soon arrived, so we quickly made our final touches and went back to the shop to fetch some pictures to put up in the barn. There were three large prints wrapped in linen that we'd noticed hidden behind the counter for the past few days. One by one, Gertie brought them in and opened them for us to see her amazing choices of singers. Aretha Franklin, Elvis Presley and the Beatles. We helped to put picture hooks up and nail them to the walls near the piano. With a final sweep and dust, we were almost there, adding just a few more last-minute touches. We decided to put some tree lights hanging along the ceiling connected to one of Gertie's antique jukeboxes in one of the corners of the barn on a stand full of her records. With the evening drawing close, it seemed an ideal opportunity to switch on the tree lights and light some candles by the window to see the new room all lit up. It was so incredible to see the piano in all its beauty. As I looked at the magical scene around me, I realised how lucky I was to be part of all this. I had never felt so at home anywhere in my life. Gertie had returned to the kitchen to put the supper on, so Belle and I decided to switch off and lock up the barn. As we were about to leave, we heard the jukebox start to play. It began to play an old tune from the Beatles. Hey Jude, don't be afraid. Take a sad song and make it better. I froze. I remember my mother telling me that Hey Jude was the track my father used to sing to Summer and I when we were little to send her to sleep. My mother used to tell us how we used to rock us to sleep, then lay us down in our cots when we were babies. I had always wished I had been old enough to remember it, as it was probably the only nice thing he'd ever done for me. Although the music was coming from the jukebox, I couldn't understand how the song was playing. Belle and I had turned off everything inside the barn, including the jukebox, making sure we had double-checked everything. Looking towards the door, I noticed a dark silhouette moving by the window, hovering and moving closer towards us. Suddenly, terrified, Belle and I watched as it came closer and closer. Had my father found me? Rachel Summers was reading from Amanda Neal's new novel, Changing Sky. Further editions on Fridays on Brooklyn's Radio at 715 